Welcome to the Friends of Folklore, where two sisters tell tales from the briny depths of the ocean, the darkest caves hidden in misty mountains, and even mysteries hiding in your own backyard. Fear not, dear audience. Come inside, bundle up with a blanket, a cup of tea, and your favorite fuzzy animal, and you too can become a friend of folklore. I'm Sydney, the tallest of the sisters. And I'm Abby, the smallest of the sisters. Before we get started, we have a couple of announcements. Some of you know that I have been furloughed since March, and this week I finally get to go back to work! Woo! Um, The podcast isn't going anywhere, but to accommodate with our busier schedules, we're going to be making a few changes around here. For one thing, we're going to start posting episodes every other week on Wednesday. We'll miss talking to you guys every week, but this will give us an opportunity to make longer, more in-depth episodes. We'll also be doing our Spooky Tuesdays on a more flexible schedule, like when we have a really good a listener story to share, or when there's a special occasion. For example, Halloween is coming up and we're pre- preparing for a very special Spooky Tuesday in celebration. This will be less obvious for you guys, but Abby and I are also going to trade jobs. I'm going to start taking over the editing, and she's going to take over the social media presence, which honestly is for the best because Twitter vexes me. And we're hoping to add new and exciting things down the road, including Facebook Live events and maybe even a Patreon page if you like what we do and want to help us continue to do just that. So none of this is set in stone. We are always going to be on the lookout for new ways to provide you with the best podcast we can. And as always, thank you for being a friend of folklore. And now... I click me notes. This week we're getting a little spooky. Oh, how are you, by the way? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. I'm a fucking mess. Like I, I like I'm like I'm good, but I'm a fucking mess. Um, Hard so same. I am officially in my new apartment. Woo! Um, we're settled. This is the first time we're recording in the new space. We love it here. I get so much natural sun, and if you're a fellow New Yorker, you know how much that's just like not a thing. Um, so we're really really excited. Do you remember that woman who came to your office and was like, "Can you move the air conditioning unit?" It's blocking the sun. (laughs) Yeah, there's an air conditioning unit on the back of our building. And she like lived in the courtyard down and below us. And she's like, move the air conditioning unit. It's blocking the sun. And I was like, all of it, the whole sun. (laughs) And she was like, it's blocking the air. Didn't she say that too? Yeah, it was blocking the air, the sky and um, the sun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but jokes on her because the building behind ours like put up this giant like the brick facade was falling down and instead of fixing it they put up like shiny reflective metal casing up the entire length of the building so if you wanted sun now you got sun yeah take that. um <laughs> but no everything is so great like i'm i'm just so excited i cannot i go back to work tomorrow we're recording on sunday here mm-hmm. on the 27th so i get to go back to work tomorrow and i'm just so excited to see people and other humans from a safe distance and i'm just i'm super excited i love where i work and i love what i do so it's going to be super super exciting um how are you i'm i'm okay Mm -hmm. do you want to tell them what you did because you can tell them what you did i'm gonna tell you guys how how your girl siddles fucked up this weekend so i am not much of a drinker um i have like a couple of drinks a year and some of you might understand how you're supposed to um store wine 
I do not have an understanding of this process. <laughs> and I looked it up. I Googled it after the fact. You're supposed to keep wine in like a dark, cool place at like 65 degrees or like even 55 degrees, which is why wine cellars are a thing and like wine mm-hmm. fridges are a thing. And I got this bottle of wine from our lovely friend Monique, who does all of our amazing um, weekly episode art. Love you, girl. Um, Love you. And I had never drank it because, again, I'm not much of a drinker. And I just had it chilling on my counter right next to my toaster oven, which I use every single day. Oh, my God. Because your girl likes toast and Mm -hmm. hash browns but doesn't want to preheat the oven. And... Um, we so, should get back. Hold on. We have to divert. You're making hash browns in a fucking toaster oven? Yeah, like a bitch. toaster or a toaster or like the easy bake oven? It's like an oven. It's like, it's like, it's like <laughs> easy bake oven. It's an easy it's bake like oven. It's like basically, but it actually works. It's not just like a light bulb. Well, I know that, but it's like the adult version of easy bake. It's like, yeah, it's a it's grown a, up yeah. easy It's bake a convection oven. oven. Yeah. No, okay. Okay. I think a convection oven is something else. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's the point an is, oven is. on my counter. It's an oven. Small. Not unlike yourself. Mm-hmm. So I have had this bottle of wine kind of wedged behind the toaster oven for oh like nine months. And oh again, I use this thing every day. So it's like heating up and cooling down and heating up and cooling down. And it was Friday and my husband was out working and I was like, I was having this, I'm I'm a writer or at least I'm trying to be. She is. She's the most brilliant human being I know. Continue. You're so sweet. I was trying really hard to write this scene, but I was being a total coward about it. And I was just like, I'm Mm -hmm. so like, I was having so much trouble. So I was like, you know what? Ernest Hemingway says that you should write drunk and edit sober. So I'm going to try that by having a whole glass of wine with dinner. And I was immediately very trashed. Like... I know I'm a lightweight, but this was like an absurd amount of trashed. And mm-hmm. I was texting you, I think, and was like, yeah, I'm so fucked up. Woo. And I was like, I only had one glass. And then suddenly I really had to throw up. And so I did that. You ever, sorry about this TMI listeners, you ever throw up so much you kind of throw your back out? Yeah, it like hurts. It like hurt. Yeah, I'm still kind of like, mm-hmm. like feeling sore from, from that experience. You literal grandma. I came I out. I <laughs> threw up my back. Um, <laughs> but it happens. I mean, I'm allergic to wine, I think in a larger capacity than you are. And it's like the time that I had half a glass of rosé and then vomited profusely because I was like, oh, I'm like so drunk. And it's like, no, you're having an allergic yeah, reaction. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was having an allergic reaction. And like my face was so red and I was just so sick. And so I called my husband and I was like, you have to come home and bring me French fries. I'm dying. And... I think between the french fries and the, you know, purging of the wine, I'm actually pretty okay. But yesterday was really rough. Our mom gave me like charcoal tablets and all sorts of medicine, which helped a lot. But I'm just like, and I feel like I have the worst, I feel like I have like the worst hangover ever. (laughs) Oh my God. I cannot. I just, I can't. Like the thing was that you told me that you were drunk and then hours went by and you're like, okay, going to sleep, BT dub. I've been throwing up for three hours. And I was like, I'm sorry. What? And you're like, yeah, no, it's cool. Like, I'm great. You don't just throw it in there. You're like, in a good night text. You're like, oh, by the way, been throwing up. See you never. And I'm like, um, wait, (laughs) hold on. So, and then when I saw our brother the next day, we made fun of you profusely. I don't blame you at all. I made fun of me profusely this entire time. I'm just so glad that you're okay. We are just not wanting, we we just can't do it. We're already allergic to sulfites. You're super allergic to grapes. I'm apparently allergic to poison. Really shocking. Wait, you can't handle poison? You haven't built up an immunity to IOK? I was about to say that. How dare you? Um... No, I just, I, I'm not much of a drinker. It's, it's honestly like kind of surprising. The only thing I can drink is like hard liquor. 
No, yeah, no, I have to go hard or go home, and my mm-hmm. joke is that most of the time I just go home. Yeah, that's me too. Um, mozzarella that. sticks are cheaper and more satisfying. I mean, I'd rather have chocolate. Mom and I had a whole conversation about this yesterday. I'd rather have a brownie over a cocktail every single time. There you go. So what are we talking about today? So, you know, it's Halloween month. I mean, by the time that, I mean, when this comes out, it'll be the 30th, but it's Halloween. Close enough. So now that I, you know, I decided to dig around and look for like a fun ghost story. And amongst my search, I found some articles about Washington Square Park and the ghosts that frequent the area. Now, we should probably get into like, you know, the history of the park. So some fun facts being thrown at you at full speed. Washington Square Park is a 9.75 acre park located in Lower Manhattan here in New York City. Mm-hmm. The park is part of a neighborhood known as Greenwich Village, and most of the buildings surrounded this area are owned and operated by NYU or New York University. But this area has transformed greatly over the years. And as always, I think we better start from the beginning. Now, audience, imagine it's the 16th century. None of us are alive yet. And there's an area of land <laughs> down yourself. by the water. Speak for yourself. I'm a ghost, okay? I'm a vampire. Speak for yourself. I can't go outside. Um, Honestly, you cannot go outside. Mm -mm. But there's an area of land down by the water. It's a marshy area with a small creek known as, and I'm going to say this a lot, and it's probably wrong, but Minetta? Okay. Uh, M-I-N-E-T-T-A. Minetta Creek? All right. So there's a small creek known as Minetta Creek, and life is thriving. The Native American village that resides there is known as the, and I'm so sorry, Sapikanishin? Okay, spell it for me. S-A-P-I-K-A-N-C-I-A-N. I I don't know. Mom's going to be so mad at you. I know, she's going to be so mad. She's Every time I see her, she's like, why don't you guys look up how to pronounce things? (laughs) I'm like, I'm sorry, Mom. I'm working on it. We do. (laughs) We just forget. (laughs) Um... So the, the, this tribe was living in the area, and then everything changed when the Dutch attacked. But more no. seriously, in the early 17th century, the area was colonized from, native, from a Native American village into Dutch farming land. This Ugh. land was then converted into plots of land and were sold, sold to Anglins who settled there. And apparently their purpose was to act as a buffer between the Dutch and the Native Americans outside of the stolen settlement. Mm-hmm. Golly gee, I wonder why they were so fucking pissed. <laughs> then in 1643, the area changed once more and this was something super cool i had never learned about this and i'm so like i got so excited in my research because i didn't know that this existed Mm -hmm. um a group known as the half freed slaves were given grants to build and maintain farms on the land area surrounding the river and i didn't know anything about it so i did some digging and essentially this group of people were indeed people who had been freed from slavery they formed the land in an area known as the quote-unquote land of the blacks which later formed into a little africa neighborhood which follows the route of the um which now follows the route of mineta street instead Mm -hmm. of the river the reason that the term half freed is used is because even though they received this land people were still were still forced to pay fees and taxes to the dutch west india trading company also the children born in this area during the time would be born into slavery so even if you were freed into slavery your children would not um Nonetheless, this area thrived and became a real core of early african-american communities and it's still Yeah, it's really, really interesting. They thrived, they changed over the years. So then the area east of Mineta River was then purchased in 1797 by the Common Council of New York. And this area was used as a public burial ground known as a potter's field. Do you know what that is? I have, you know, actually, it's funny because in, I don't know what it is, you're gonna have to tell me. 
but mm-hmm. there is, um, spoilers, a scene, an episode of Over the Garden Wall where they go to a town called Pottersfield and, seriously, spoilers, everyone is dead there. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's why. Uh-huh. So the land gets its name from the Bible referring to Akeldama, which means field of blood. And it is normally place a place for burying the unknown or indigenous people. And oh. this... Um, and this graveyard or potter's field became a real big hit later in the 19th century due to, that's right, you guessed it, the yellow fever. Mm. Um, those who died due to yellow fever were buried in this area because the graveyard was located far away from the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more, quote unquote, hygienic to keep them and away from living people. That's, uh, that's why Washington Irving of the Sleepy Hollow episode, um, he <laughs> went to Terrytown, which later like, is assumed to be the town of Sleepy Hollow, um, to escape yellow fever. By the way, just while I'm talking about him, little, little, uh, correction, um, Mm. I described him as someone who looks like he would, like, mansplain you, um, and it turns out he was a very closeted gay man. Not that gay men can't mansplain, but I just feel like I, I kind of got him wrong. I just thought he was, like, a total Do you feel like you judged him? I judged him very, very swiftly. You know what? It's all right, because guess what? He's dead. Mm. Anyway. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. Now, anyway, anyway, dear audience, you may be thinking, Abby, I've been to Washington Square Park, and I know for certain there's no river going through the area. And you would be correct, audience. And here is why. So, Washington Square Park proper is located at the edge of the swampy, like, it's at the swampy edge of Mineta Creek with a large graveyard on the other side. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, fun fact, at the southernmost part of this creek, there was an estate known as Richmond Hill. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Very vaguely. Richmond Hill was leased to none other than Aaron Burr, sir. <laughs> In 1794, and Aaron Burr altered the course of the creek to firm, form Burr's Pond at the foot of his estate. That guy's such a dick. I know. It's like, that's such an Aaron Burr thing to do, you yeah, know what I mean? It's like, oh, hey, this geographical location is not good enough for me. Let me and change it. it. I know. Jesus. So fuck. even though this area was intended to be away from society with the potter's field, white people are going to white and they're going to expand to places they really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. So in 1820, the Common Council decided to build a Mineta sewer system to accommodate all the people buying land and the colonization of this area. Also, they wanted to divert water away from the potter's field. So the first thing that they did to the creek was they deepened the riverbed. And then after the opening of Fifth Avenue a few years later, it was decided that the creek be culverted. Culvert or culverted is a structure that allows water to flow under a road or railroad so that water flow can continue, but land above can be traversed more easily. So the creek was converted from its location on what is now Washington Square, South and North, respectively. And then, and and, um, so it was moved. Um, Then after the, or rather covered up and, was allowed to flow underneath. And then after the closing of the Potter's Field in 1825, and they removed most of the bodies, but we'll get to most that. Most of the bodies. She most said of the bodies. ominously. In 1825, the council, cho- the council chose to transform the area into a military parade ground. Um, and then in 1828, the creek was diverted to the Hudson River through a wooden sewer. And then, in 1849, after the demolition of Richmond Hill, take that, Burr's Pond, the stream was demolished and water no longer flowed through the area. But that's not the end of this creek story, nor the end of this creek tangent. So, (laughs) 
In the late 1880s, there was a large influx of immigrants moving to New York. So New York State legislator, Legislature, that's a fun word, mm-hmm. sent people to investigate the living situation in Lower Manhattan, and it was revealed that people living over the filled-in ground from the river didn't have proper drainage. So keep that in mind. Because then the plot really thickens in 1892 when the seller of Solomon Siles, his basement began flooding. This led investigators in the area to dig into old sanitary maps of Manhattan, and there it was found that when the creek became obsolete, it was not properly diverted, and since the creek was a natural spring, dams could not be used for this creek. So basically, they shut off the exit and said, oh well, I'm sure it's fine, and left. Oh no. And uh, I think Thomas A. Janvier said it best in his book, In Old New York, when he said, although Minetta Creek no longer visible on the surface, it still flows in diminished volume through the ancient channel, as those living near or over it sometimes know to their cost. And in 1897, George Everett Hill wrote the following. Although Minetta Brook has been lost to sight for many years, we have abundant evidence that it still exists. Deep excavations near its course are almost invariably flooded by its waters, and heavier buildings over it or beside it require elaborate foundations of piling. And I mean, I could spend my whole episode talking about, like, New York's various run-ins with this fucking creek, but that's not why y'all are here. <laughs> it's, a, it's the real supervillain is nature. It's the real, the real villain is nature. I just think that that's so fucking funny that they were just like, eh, close it. That is such, like, I mean, here's the thing. There's a reason I'm not a contractor, because I recognize that there's 100%, like, that's what I do. I'd be mean, mm-hmm. like, it's fine. I don't want to deal with it. Just cover it up real quick. It's and just be okay. call it a day. Sydney, that's exactly what they did. They're like, people are moving in. Just cover it. It's like, just, no, just, you can't. It. Yeah, just, no, you have to actually do something with that. Mm-hmm. Or just don't so, buy houses there. Yeah, or just like leave the creek be. I don't know. So we're going to actually jump back to 1826 when the land above Mineta Creek was the Washington Military Parade. This was a public space where within the city where volunteer militia groups would train. So it was like a boot camp kind of situation. Um, and then in the 1830s, the area surrounding this parade became like a real estate dream location. And by 1871, the parade had reformed so many times, like they had created paths and other amenities, that it actually was then adopted into the New York City Parks Department and was redesigned several times into the park we know and love today. Hmm. Yeah. So they kind of like their footprint for this military parade is what now the footprint of Washington Square Park actually is i see okay must have been hard to train around that big ass fountain well and now it's time to get spooky 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 spooky, spooky. spooky. <laughs> um so <laughs> that was beautiful that was my thunder and then my wolf to let you know this is a visual i'm not visual an audio cue that things are about to be spooky <laughs> You're my favorite human being. If you don't do that all month, I'm going to be very upset. So you think I'm not going to? (laughs) I know. I don't want you to say these things. I know you. So it's pretty fair to assume that there are dead bodies underneath Washington Square Park. Uh Since a lot of these bodies buried are unknown burials, it's fair that a grouping of them were unclaimed because they did, when they got rid of the Potter's Field, they removed you know, they're like, oh, we removed them all. But whether certain bodies were buried in other locations, it just, they didn't get them all. Yeah, yeah. And especially since that land was changed and changed and changed and really disrupted, we both know that that just like opens the door up for some spooky ass shit. 
Every time. And the first and foremost is that a common story amongst NYU students is that a cold air rushes through them while they walk through the park. And that doesn't sound all that weird, but most of the stories occur at nighttime in the middle of spring and summer, which is when the park is most actively visited. So they'll be walking through the park in the middle of the night in the summer and just cold air will rush through their bodies. Um, I've only ever visited Washington Square Park in the dead of winter for a photo shoot one time, um, and it was very cold, so I don't know. (laughs) Never experienced that myself. Got it. There are also reports of people walking around the Washington Square Park fountain. Mm -hmm. These people are said to be dressed in 18th century outfits and can be seen moving through the fountain before disappearing into the cold, dark night. Dun, dun, dun! Dun, dun! Um, the most well-circulated account of ghosts that I found in my research is near a tree known as Hangman's Elm. Every fucking- there's always- there's always a Hangman's tree. Okay, let's get a new trope. Uh, well, you know, you had the trees. You had to kill people. I mean, did you? Goes hand in hand, I guess. No, did you have really to didn't. kill people? Especially, well, especially with what I'm about to tell you, so oh, no. they really did Uh, yeah. Well, okay. kind of. Okay, so there is a large elm tree located in the northwest corner of the park, and the story goes that a woman named Rose Butler mm-hmm. was hung from the tree as a sentence for intentionally burning down the house in which she worked there as a slave. So she mm-hmm. was a slave, and she burnt down her master's house. People report seeing a shadow hanging from the tree that sways in the wind. And they hear screaming when in vicinity of the tree. Oh, I do not like that. I love trees, but if a tree starts screaming, I'm going to fucking bounce. I mean, it's different when it's cicadas, but you can tell the difference. You can't. Okay, cicadas are just annoying. That's very true. Um, And I also, and now we're going to get into some things I found through an article by Untapped New York, which was the tale of a reporter who just like went on something called the Edgar Allan Poe and his ghostly neighbors of Greenwich Village tour, which is a tour sponsored by the Ghosts of New York, which is a haunted ghost tour group that gives tours all over New York City. And I don't know why this is the only thing I'm doing with my time. Okay, as soon as as soon as COVID ends in thirty years, I'm coming over. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes, please. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so, in this article, the writer tells the tale of a building across the street from Washington Square Park. Uh-huh. So the house is a former patrol station, which is um like where firefighters do firefighter stuff. Sure, sure. sure. And where um, you find the fires, yeah. Yeah, basically, where like they put all their shoes and stuff. And basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, CNN anchor Anderson Cooper lives there. My understanding I is that he's not a good him. guy. Oh really? Oh no, we do. I don't don't know. know All I know about him, here's the only thing I know about him. He made a really cute birth announcement for his baby. If he sucks, tweet me. Let us know. Oh, by the way. Um, But he lives there. The guy Mm -hmm. that, by the way, in my last episode, in the Pharaoh's episode, that one one archaeologist that I said I thought was really cute and looks kind of like how my husband's going to look in like 50 years. Yeah. Apparently he's a little problematic. Oh, well... Friend, if we have to go back and talk about all the problematic people in history, we're never going to get through an episode. Everyone is problematic. They all suck. Plot twist, everyone's trash. Um, But... So CNN anchor Anderson Cooper lives there, but it's said to that the building is haunted by the ghost of firefighter Schwartz, who hung himself from the rafters in the building in 1930 after finding out that his wife was cheating on him. Um, before this became a private residence, firefighters claimed to hear strange noises throughout the station, as well as seeing the shape of Schwartz suspended in mid-air. <gasps> 
Yeah, it creeps me out. Um, also, just because we were talking about Edgar Allan Poe, mm-hmm. um, he actually lived in a building alongside the park as well um, in 1844 for about a year. Yeah. However, that building was torn down to make room for what is now Furman Hall, which is a part of the NYU campus. Um, and honestly, it does not surprise me that Poe would want to live next to such a spooky and deeply haunted area. 10 out of 10 living choice. Good for you, you spooky bitch. He's a spooky um, bitch. He is the OG I spooky mean, bitch. He is the OG spooky bitch, but it's rumored that he actually lived near the park because the fresh air was deemed restorative, and he probably moved there to help his wife who suffered from consumption in an effort to treat this ailment. But he only lived there for about a year. He has had a, he has had, as if he's still alive, he (laughs) had a very difficult life. I know, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, he lived there, and on the south side of the park, there is a building known as the Elmer Holmes Bopst Library. This is a really cool building that I cannot go inside because I go I don't go to NYU and I'm I'm okay I'm not bitter but just like it's fucking rude. Okay, I went to Oxford and had that exact same problem, so don't even start with me. Wait, where's Oxford? Is that it's in Boston? England. Is that when you were in Mass? Oh, England. Oh my god, you weren't allowed inside. Yeah, there was like this huge courtyard with this amazingly tall building, and it was like this library houses every single book you could ever even consider imagining, but you're not allowed to go inside, you American bitch. I'm like, okay, oh, damn. just stand outside and cry for a while. It's fine. Big mood. Standing outside libraries and crying is my hobby. <laughs> it's my favorite pastime. It's my favorite pastime. Looking for a safe COVID pastime? Stand outside of a library and cry. We're here to help, fam. You got you. Um, unfortunately, this library is the site of nine student suicides. Holy and it fuck. is rumored that people will hear movement and rifling papers within the library when they are alone at night. <gasps> Library ghosts are, like, in my top ten ghosts. Mm-hmm. My understanding is that these nine student student suicides have been within the last 20 years, so that's oh, also wow. very interesting oh, that, fun, they're, that's that really their energy tragic. is so prominent. I know, it's absolutely heartbreaking. Okay, so, additionally, on the east side of the park, there's a building formerly known as the Ash Building, which was the location of a large fire which was when it was the Triangle Shirtwaist Company. Mm-hmm. So, according to the articles I found, this, flyer, this fire claimed the lives of 146 people. Jesus. Most of which were female garment workers. Wasn't the fire, wasn't the fire department, like, across the street? Well, hold on. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. Because, okay. I mean... Yes. Um, (laughs) They're just women. Who cares? They're just women. Um, The reason the fire killed so many people is because these poor people were locked inside the building to keep them from taking breaks. (gasps) The fire actually sparked a lot of outrage and and, um, was, like, used in support of the labor movement at the time. Fuck yeah, it was. Yeah, basically, they kept them in there. man? What the actual shit? Mm -hmm. How dare you need to pee? Keep making clothes. You know, there's actually like, um, I, f- I follow a YouTuber. Her name is Bernadette Banner and we love her a lot. And she is a um, dress historian. And she talks mm-hmm. a lot about how like garment workers were like historically just super exploited because it takes hundreds of hours to make a single thing. And, you know, you can't charge that much for it because then no one can wear clothes. And, you know, it's just, it's just... Yeah, so they're never fairly compensated never, for work. Never fairly compensated. Mm-mm. It's a huge problem. And, of course, it's, like, you know, considered, quote, women's work a lot of times historically. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, the fashion industry is, like, one of the most wasteful industries that we have. I know. And, like, that, another thing I learned about her from her is that, like, the way it used to work is the new fashion would kind of build off the old fashion so you could go to your old clothes and alter them into the new fashion where nowadays like you know 
a couple years ago, it was really popular to have those dresses that were really short in the front and really long in the back. And oh, yeah. now maxi dresses are a thing. And it's like, you can't convert, you know, that into a yeah. maxi dress. You have to buy new clothes. It's just so... Fast fashion is a huge problem, and I have a lot of opinions about it. I'm just going to name this episode the episode of um, Tangents, because holy crap, that's interesting. Yeah, right? Um, Sorry, go ahead. But... No, it's okay. So today the building is part of the NY- is part of NYU, mm-hmm. and people have reported hearing screams and the cries of ghosts both within and when they pass the building. <sighs> okay, I think it was an episode of Warehouse 13, but it might have also been that Ghost Hunter show with Zach Baggins <laughs> where he collects a bunch of like stop laughing. Where he collects a bunch of like haunted items. And I think uh-huh. one of them, it was like the doorknob to the factory. Oh, and no. like, you know, Man. imagine like just trying desperately to get it open. So it's like a haunted piece of something. Did you hear what he did? Zach Baggins? Yes. Do you know what he did? What did he do? He went to the fucking Tiger King place. No. Yeah. Why? Is it haunted? I don't know. I haven't watched. It's part of like his quarantine ghost adventure episodes or some shit. It's on Hulu if you want to like. I'm going to be outraged. I know. It's But I don't know what he took from there. But he always takes shit. It's like, Zach, honey. <laughs> honey, baby, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I mean, I personally prefer ghost hunters over ghost adventures. Are those the plumbers? Um, those are the plumbers. I, I just like have to. My favorite part of that is just when they would try to like debunk things with their plumbing knowledge, and I just I had like a lot of respect for them. Well, I know I've talked a lot about haunted house inspections on this show, mm-hmm. but I just think that's fucking hilarious. Where they're like, oh the God, door the at the top shit. of the stairs just opens on its own, and the house inspector's like, this door is two hundred years old. It just doesn't latch right. Calm down. Yeah, right. Just get a different door frame. It's, it's, <laughs> no, I feel you. Um, so today the park is the largest attraction because it's one of the largest tourist attractions because of its proximity to NYU. There's the famous arch and as Sydney has already mentioned, the large fountain in the middle of the park. And even though the history transcends before our time with Native American villages to abandoned graves, it's been home to activist marches and artist performances from like Bob Dylan and Allen Ginsberg to today where it just, oh, it has so much cultural impact that it holds today. I mean, if you were in New York, when protests were very large those were happening at washington square park it's just i mean they're happening everywhere but it has always been a location for protesters for activists and for people you know the the moving forward kind of people that we associate ourselves with um yeah, so people, I just kinda love people that. who are fighting the you know fighting the establishment and ripping up the establishment board by board board by board um yes. actually when i googled it because you didn't give me any pictures you heathen when I googled it, mm-hmm. the first thing that popped up were a bunch of um, BLM protests taking place in Washington Square Park. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if other people feel this way. So I was born in 94 and that makes me kind of like a cusp as far as my generation is concerned. Like I'm kind mm-hmm. of a millennial and kind of a Zoomer. And I also have an older brother who's definitely a millennial and a younger sister who's definitely a Zoomer. So I have this really weird like balancing act where half the time I'm like a nihilist and I'm super depressed and the other half the time I want to burn down everything in DC. It's a big mood. Apparently we, um, I was with I was with our brother and his amazing friends yesterday. Hello. Mm. I know that um, his friend Steph, they listen to the podcast. So really? hello Steph. Hi, Steph. I've heard so much about you. You seem so nice. They are the nicest human being I've ever met. Um, But we were talking about how, like, 
everyone's like Pluto is like a generational gap thing, like where mm-hmm. your Pluto is in your astrology sign. So apparently because of where mine is located, it's a break between Gen Z and millennial, but you're within the millennial Pluto range. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Maybe I'm just depressed, we did look up your sign and talk angry. about you, so I know I wanna know every you want I need like I don't remember. Tell me everything you say. <laughs> if you're gonna gossip about me, I need you. I need you at least write it down. Take notes. I know. I'm so sorry. Take notes. Like it's what I do. It no. was a lot of fun. Well, we were That's just comparing good. like the three of our like astrologies and how similar we all are. I miss Alex. Um, so me, much. you, and our brother. I know he's such good people. He is. Um, but that's all I got. That is to that is the story of uh, Washington Square Park. Wow, so spooky. Also, if I you know. have watched, if you have watched the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, she attends a protest in Washington Square Park. Oh, does she? She does. Yeah. So she's so the point of her is that she's like just this really like hilarious, but also clever woman. Well, she's a comedian. And she's a comedian yeah. and she's trying to be a comedian. And she just shows up at Washington Square Park and shows up to this protest and like someone asks her to speak and she's like I have no idea what's going on but this is fucking amazing. And then also in the movie, the Netflix original Someone Great they hang out at the fountain in Washington Square Park a lot. Is that, wait, did you is that the one with Gina Rodriguez? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's the one where one. Um, one of them is like I'm a Slytherin with a Ravenclaw moon. Oh, that's so me. I mean, not me, but you know what I mean. I'm a Hufflepuff. You know, it's so hard to associate because she's such a... Yep. I'm so mad at her. Did you know that apparently her pen name, she writes under a different name for her mystery series, is based off Mm -hmm. of one of the original, like, proponents for conversion therapy? For fuck's sake. I just... Yep. (sighs) Anyway. Turfs are not friends of folklore. They are not friends of folklore. No, if you're, yeah, no, no turfs are the friends of folklore. Thank you very much. We're very gay and we love everybody. Yeah, if if you're a hateful motherfucker, I'm gonna need you to just open the door and go ahead. Yeah, get out of here. I mean, most of you we know, so like, I think it's fine, but like still. (laughs) It's like 30 listeners and most of them are our friends, but still, you're all great and we love you. We love you all. If you want to find us, you can search Friends of Folklore on all social media. That's Friends of Folklore without the R-E or you can email us your Spooky Tuesday. We're gearing up for one hell of a Spooky Tuesday for October. You have no idea what's coming. Neither do you. Neither. I don't. Even we don't know. I know. You don't know. Even we don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, shit. Wow. Get, take that. So email us at thefriendsoffolklore at gmail.com with your insane, crazy stories. We want to hear it all. And we just really appreciate your guys' support during this crazy time as we make adjustments. The Friends of Folklore means so much to me in Sydney, but we want to make sure that we're doing it right. So we appreciate your support. We love that you're a friend of folklore. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.